Sit down if you want to. Right in the middle of what's going on. I'm in the middle of an interrogation. Take a seat, young Skywalker. The middle children of history, man. Middle of the day, Alfred. Please, take a seat there. Right now, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Stop the middle of the base hit! Meeting in the middle. Fight, fight. They fought for the freedom of middle. 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 The middle of the middle of the middle. The middle of a war. Friggin' ridiculous. Why don't we have a seat to talk about? No, not the middle seat. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm the grandmaster of tonight's ceremonies, Andrew Auger, and I am very happy to be here on what probably for the three of us is the most anticipated episode we've done so far. But first, let's meet the other two members of our panel. He's our resident brilliant Dr. Bruce Banner, Mr. Nate Lungarini, or is it Dr. Nate Lungarini? Oh, that's Dr. Mr. Senior to you, sir. He's the man with all the titles. Moving on, he's our pouty toddler of an Incredible Hulk, Mr. Jake Hensler. Hey! <laughs> you know what? You, Our viewers can't see this, but you guys can. I have a Thor card in my wallet. So you know what? I don't want to hear no pouty. I'm the I'm the god of thunder over here. You're literally proving me right right now. <laughs> we'll let Jake pout a little bit later. But if you're just joining us for the first time, The Middle Seats is the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. Our show is divided into three segments. We open the night with some lobby talk where one member of the crew picks a topic and we just kind of go back and forth about it for a couple minutes like you would if you were at the movies and sitting in the lobby with your friends. Then we move on to the biggest news of the week. This is a huge week for news. We have some really big topics to cover this week, and we have a massive, massive movie, the biggest one we've done so far in our feature review. It is of Marvel's 17th movie, Thor Ragnarok. So guys, we got a lot of exciting stuff to do today. It's time to get into some movies with Lobby Talk. Let's all go to the lobby. You're in the lobby? What do you look like? Alright, so for this week, it is my turn to pick the Lobby Talk, and I thought we'd have a little fun discussion about what the best superhero, uh, I don't know what the, what the right word is, the best accessory that they have, I guess. So these are like, you know, to list off a couple, Captain America's shields, um, Doctor Strange's cape even, you got Aquaman's trident, Green Lantern ring, just Wolverine's claws, not their powers, but what they carry along with them, a weapon, a gadget, a tool of sorts. Um, right, it's a thing in the action figures that come like on the side that you right, like Spidey with. web shooters. What is what is the best ones in our opinion? Um, and there's so many to choose from, but in honor of this episode, I'm gonna have to go with Thor's hammer because if nothing else, he's the only one who can use it. How much better does it get than that? Well, that's not entirely true, Jake. Other people have picked mostly up this true. Hammer before. Mostly, mostly true. That's your only defense of Thor's hammer. That's your only defense. Thor well, no, no, it it's not my only defense. He can fly with it. He can he can shoot um, lightning from it. He can literally knock anybody out with it. Nobody can use it but him. So anybody else who has something can also be used against them, except Thor and his hammer. Basically, I think it's just and it's one of the coolest. Like everybody does swords and shields. How many people use hammers and use them like Thor? Right. It's so cool. It's weapon, so cool. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. It's an iconic weapon that is pretty unique as far it's as so superheroes cool. go. Let's hear you uh, got, Nate. But my pick is Batman's utility belt. You want to talk iconic? Every single utility belt has been framed off of what Batman yes. did first. And the reason? It is literally plot hole glue. 
anything that Batman needs to do to fix the situation, he's always gotten his utility belt. It is hands down the most overpowered thing ever featured in any comic book ever. It's whatever the writers craft for <laughs> that story. It's in I'm, his utility belt. Lego Batman Done. should really touch on that. Like, ah, oh, damn, I actually don't have this one this time. And then, like, he's in, he's in some real trouble. <laughs> Batman's kryptonite is his lack of pockets. <laughs> <laughs> if, he, if he ever runs out, that would be the problem. Oh, uh, yeah, it literally is plot. It is plot hole glue. That was 100% yeah, that's a hundred percent analogy, Nate. <laughs> um, the the thing I like about Thor's hammer the most that um is the density of it, and the movies use this really well. Where he just he'll put it on someone and they, like, yep, they literally and just, can't stand. Screwed. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking there's no correct answer here because there's so yes, many. There th okay, mine's right. <laughs> Are we doing this we do again this every week? <laughs> Are you gonna do this again? <laughs> oh my god, every week. Um, <laughs> but I was thinking as far as functionality in the real world for me, um, and thinking about what would be useful in my day to day life, and that's kind of a boring. Oh yeah, Andrew uh, wants to take a rational approach to superhero weapons. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's where we're at right now. Um, and I went with Wonder Woman's lasso. She's been the hot big thing this year. Uh, it's not the most threatening weapon. It's not the most functional weapon in combat. However, in day-to-day -day social interactions, and even if we're going to go to as a superhero interrogation, getting answers that you need, it makes anybody that's wrapped up in it tell the truth. And that, I think, is such a useful functionality in everyday life that would make everyday life ten times easier. You would lose a lot of friends really fast because <laughs> I don't trust you, Jake. Here, tell me. Did you steal my cookies? Well, no, I well, wouldn't doubt I did steal your cookies. That is me. I would absolutely <laughs> be stealing your cookies. I would admit that. But I would, I would know who my true friends are because who would touch my fucking cookies? I would. But I'd tell you. <laughs> I would always tell you. Would you, though? After the lasso or before the lasso? Um, no, I would tell you before the lasso. You might find out a couple other things with the lasso, but I'd tell you the cookies way, way in advance. <laughs> right. Um, no, I agree. The lasso is, is very cool and it's unique, and it's something people might not think of right off the bat. Like like Batman, obviously Nate thinks he's right, but Batman is one of the first things that would come to mind for anybody. Iron Man's suit is another one that would come to mind. Um, Wonder Woman's lasso is Iron not Man's the suit first is the thing. same thing as Batman's utility yeah. belt. Where it, like it literally could do anything he needs it to. Yeah, but, yeah. Yep. Everything is thought that. out. Like even when Ant Man climbs in during the Civil War battle, he flushes him out just because he's thought of everything. Like the suit has everything. <laughs> um, but Wonder Woman. I was gonna say one of the the low key best uses for Wonder Woman's lasso, flashlight. It glows all the time. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> not my first. You never thought, have to worry but... about finding your phone again, Drew. Not exactly the not exactly the best stealth thing to have. You know what we haven't talked but... <laughs> about Wonder Woman utility wise. Her invisible jet has not been used yet. Right. She doesn't have her license. It's one of those things that I don't think is ever going to get picked up by movies. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Even in a superhero world, it's ridiculous. Oh, Family Guy yeah. did a good spoof of it where. Um, She's in the invisible jet, but she's actually in the bathroom, and Superman's flying along, and it's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so did, uh, so did the Lego one. movie. Yeah. To the Batmobile. Damn, invisible jet. Damn, and, like, nothing explodes, <laughs> but she says it does. Damn. It's a kid's movie, Jake. They don't say damn. Okay. I know. <laughs> they say sure. dang it. <laughs> you, okay, Nate. <laughs> Mr. Dad over Nate, here. Nate, I'm going to have to put Come you on. in. You're going to have to go in timeout soon. <laughs> but anyway, there's, there, like we said... Despite what Nate says, there's no correct answer to this. Everybody has their different preferences. That's what makes superheroes so damn cool. Let us know in the comment section below what you think is the best superhero utility. So we're going to get into some superhero 
movies later in the show. But first, we got to talk about some news. And this just in, a Newsbreak special report. This is I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. So the theme of this fall in Hollywood has been allegations and sexual assault and people coming out and possibly the biggest name yet, Kevin Spacey. What a week and a half he's had. He's been completely under fire. It first started last week when Spacey was accused of sexual harassment by Star Trek Discovery actor Anthony Rapp. This was back in 1986 when he accused Spacey. Uh, Spacey apologized on Twitter, officially coming out as a gay man. Since then, multiple others have come forward accusing him of uh, sexual har- homosexual sexual harassment, including multiple people from the set of his Netflix show, House of Cards. House of Cards has had its production suspended since. Um, it's not clear whether they're going to finish filming what has already been announced as the final season. Spacey has been fired, so Frank Underwood, the main character of the show, will not be returning if there is a final season. Um, if that wasn't bad enough, all the money in the world, Ridley Scott's new film with Kevin Spacey starring in it, it was he was going to get a big Best Supporting Actor push. Now it's unclear what the status of that movie is. We know it's been pulled from contention at the AFI Film Festival. Basically, Kevin Spacey's name is as blacklisted as it can come right now in Hollywood. Um, and what a shocking turn of events in the last 10 days or so. Lot to digest here. Nate, take us through it as best you can, how this story has impacted you. Yeah, so... We said that we would come back to the sexual assault stories soon, and this seemed like the biggest time to come back to this story. Because when we were talking about Harvey Weinstein a couple of weeks ago, this was just some producer that the average moviegoer doesn't even know or care about. He looked like a creepy guy, and we were fine to throw him under the bus and cast him out. For this story, this is really, really huge because Kevin Spacey is a well-acclaimed actor, beloved up to this point. Uh, when we were talking about best actors a couple shows ago, I was actually seriously considering talking about him because I thought he's great in his performances. So this is the first major case of someone who is well-respected in the industry being caught up in this scandal. And sometimes it's really hard to remove yourself from the performances that character's given and say, wow, this guy's a creep and deserves to be punished for it. And it actually took me a couple days to kind of come to terms with that, understanding that, wow, I may like this person's characters and his performances, but this is not okay. And I'm really, really glad that Hollywood and these other places are taking everything so seriously. You raise a really, really interesting point here. Um, that I think is probably the most interesting direction that this conversation can go. Because obviously, Jake, if I throw it to you right now, you're going to say that sexual assault is bad and this is shocking and everything. But Jake, what I want you to address more, and obviously you can say whatever you want, but how do you separate the artist from his personal life? Can you still enjoy a Kevin Spacey movie? Um, this is actually something I wanted to touch on. Um, as far as Netflix removing him from from their shows and stuff, I get it. I think it's fair. Um, Hollywood blacklisting him for you know his crimes and his his you know sexual uh, harassment lost lawsuits and whatever else. Fine, I get it. What I what I don't and I so I don't want anybody to think I'm siding with Mr. Spacey because I'm I'm not. It's a creep and. Whatever you do in this industry that involves sexual harassment, you should be punished for. 
What I don't agree with is the talk of revoking his Emmy. He earned that based on his hard work and, you know, and great acting performance. So maybe, maybe he's a shitty guy. Maybe he's a douche. But that doesn't change the fact that he gave great performances. So I think there is a world where you can separate them. Now, yeah. if you choose not to work with him in the future, totally understandable. But I don't think it changes his accomplishments as an actor, as a profession. Um, so, like, taking away his Emmy or, you know, if they try to take away his Oscars, I, I disagree. I disagree because it doesn't change the fact that he's a good actor. You could be the biggest asshole in the world, but, you know, if you, if you accomplish something, you still accomplish something. Right, if you're still good at your job. Like, right, which he, he clearly is. That's why that's why we're talking about him. He's so good at his job. It's a big, you know, it's a big deal when we find this out about him. Yeah. So if he doesn't get great work for for years to come, if he loses this Oscar push, if he loses his biggest Netflix show, fine. I don't have much of an issue with that. But whatever his past his past achievements were, I think we have to I think we have to let let be and separate them for now. But whatever punishments he's getting. In the now, I think should stay in the now. Right. It's just, it's, it's so hard now because, it's so hard because those are so many great performances that he's given that, is there any way to watch them without, like, feeling completely, you know, kind of guilty? It's hard. It's, I mean, you can, you can try to separate yourself as much artist and personal life as much as possible, but there's always going to be that stigma now. Um, especially when some of his best performances have been really creepy roles. Right. Like Seven, his work in House of Cards. Right. Usual Suspects. All of that. Usual Suspects, especially, yeah. Amer- American Beauty. Oh, that's, oh, that takes so many bad tones now. I know, and it's in that. that's what I'm talking about. It's more of a shame because I think his performances in American Beauty and The Usual Suspects are, are borderline amazing. But now when I'm, now when I watch those movies in the future... There's going to be something in the back of my head that goes, wow, what a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, how how awful, how sad is this? And this went on for years, apparently. Yeah. One thing um, that I want to touch on that's kind of concerning me about all this is that with this story, Hollywood and the media and just regular society have taken this and gone full nuclear on Kevin Spacey when the story is still just accusations. Now, I have no doubt that Kevin Spacey is guilty of what people have accused him of because he admitted to it essentially on Twitter. But I can see in the future where there might be someone who just really hates an actor in Hollywood and I'm going to shame him by making up a story about how he assaulted me. And... You're not guilty until you've gone through the trial, so to speak. And um, in Harvey Weinstein's case, it is going to courts. And he's going to be found guilty, and he deserves to be punished for that. But I'm worried the punishment... He may may never work again. But I'm worried that um, if we continue to treat people like this, where we punish them before the crime is proven, innocent until proven guilty, then it's a slippery slope. And it could cause some real backlash when it's undeserved. It's it's real. It's a really touchy, really hard balance to walk. Versus mm-hmm. because yeah, it's very, very hard topic. to, you know, say, do the innocent till proven guilty thing, and also, you know, I believe the victims. You know what I mean? 
Like exactly, it's, it, and you want victims to right. feel comfortable coming out and saying that something happened. Right, that's been exactly. the problem in Hollywood for decades now, and that's why Harvey Weinstein exactly. got away with what he did. That's why Spacey got away with what he did. Um, I'm just worried that we're going to be too quick to pull the trigger trigger on future suspects when they're still just suspects. I, I think I think people are absolutely going to start pulling triggers on anything that comes out. But the fact that it wasn't just it was it was. A decent amount of people now reporting on Spacey, correct? Yeah. Like there's, yeah. So, so I mean, if it was one person, I would say everybody, you know, every let's let's wait a second and see what happens. But the fact that there's, if there's eight on one show alone, then then the guy deserves to be under fire. If I like, I, at first I heard it was one thing, and I was like, all right, that's bad, but let's not let's not blow this out of the water yet. Let's see what happens with this one case. But now that there's numerous over just one show alone, it's bad. This is bad, and it's a shame because I love Kevin Spacey as an actor. But you know, you you gotta, I don't know, you gotta hold the man responsible and, and accountable for his actions. And you know, it's really really a shame. And I hope I hope we can all learn from this, and I hope Hollywood becomes better for it. I think one of the worst things he the worst things he could have done was using his apology as a platform to come out and try to deflect the allegations by coming yeah, out as a gay guy. Yeah, it was guy. one of the... That was just so icky. slippery things he's ever done. Yeah, that was really yeah. icky. Um, yeah, yeah. I under, I understand... I mean, I'm sure that it's tough for people that are, have been in the closet for so long to come out and say things like that, but to use it like that kind of invalidates, I feel like, a lot of people that have the courage to come out in very tough situations. That that mm. was the part, especially, that made that rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I've Kevin Spacey will not be the last name... The last big name for the shoe to drop on. I think that's a yeah. I think that's a pretty blanket conclusion we can make. Yeah, especially because when when the Harvey Weinstein thing dropped, there were there were names being thrown around, and Kevin Spacey wasn't even the first one to come yeah. up. So I'm sh- I'm sure if his if his name came up out of nowhere, right, there will be more. There definitely will be more. Yeah, it, we will be talking about this again. Unfortunately, moving on to some lighter and more possibly optimistic news. This is in the very early stages, but it could be the story of the year if it ends up to manifest into something. MSNBC reported today that Disney is in talks to buy some parts of 21st Century Fox. Um, It's important to note that the sides have been in talks but are not currently in talks. That We don't know if that means that the talks are done, if both sides have walked away, or if they're on hold for now. However, this is what this would mean as of now, what we know. Disney would not buy Fox Sports. They would not buy Fox News. That is illegal because Disney has ESPN and Disney has ABC under their conglomeration, and that would be an illegal monopoly. What they would be able to do is buy certain properties. And I think the thing that caught all of our eyes, the three of us, is that Disney owns Marvel and they would have the rights, most likely, to make movies about the X-Men, Deadpool, and Fantastic Four. Everybody take a deep breath if this is possible. There are a lot of different angles to approach this from. Jake, if this is true, are you positive or negative about it? Oh, if, if Disney could and Marvel could get, could get their other superheroes back, please, let's see. First off, let's see if we can get a good Fantastic Four movie. Second, let's see Deadpool and Spidey team up. Third, let's see, let's see what they can do with the X Men. Throw throw Thanos in on against against Wolverine. Let's see Hulk versus Wolverine. Let's see. There's infinite possibilities that this could do. 
This is great news. How could you be upset? Nate, let's hear it. Oh boy. This this makes me nervous as all hell. Now, I will I will be I will be frank. What 21st Century Fox has done with superhero movies has not been universally good. Um some of their X-Men movies have been pretty flat, but Fantastic Four in particular has not been great ever. Um, uh, Deadpool was their one big breakout, followed by Logan uh, this past year. So I have no issue with Disney getting more superheroes to their disposal, but I'm worried that we're going to be falling to the same Disney formula for all superheroes. Because Deadpool was a rated R comedy. Wolverine was a badass rated R comic book movie. And those were really cool, fairly original products that Disney would have never greenlit. Disney stays away from almost anything rated R, um, keeps everything PG-13 at a minimum to get as many people in the theaters as they can. And this could be a discussion for another time, but a lot of Marvel movies follow the same procedures. I don't want to give Disney a monopoly on superheroes. I really, really don't. I think that's a recipe for a kind of like a cheese grater type genre where everything's the same. It's a very good point. If it's possible, I agree with both of you. Um, <laughs> I I wasn't sure where Nate was going to go with this, but if Nate didn't take that stance right now, I would have taken the stance. There are real, there are heavy pros and heavy cons to this. The pros, like Jake said, we will get another shot at the Fantastic Four. And it most likely will be good because Marvel knows what they're doing. They do. However, Fox does make some unique superhero movies. And even Ryan Reynolds took to Twitter today. He kind of made fun of this whole uh, process. He was tweeting like, what the fudge would this mean for for Deadpool? Like, kind of hinting that, you know, Deadpool might get his balls chopped off a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. If he has to cross over. Essentially censorship, yeah. basically. Well, uh well, yeah, it's not censorship. They would water it, him down. Yeah, it'd be yeah, watered it's down watering incredibly. down. Yeah, exactly. That That's a better word for it. So on one hand, would it be really, really cool to know that they all exist in the same universe? Absolutely. Absolutely. That would be so exciting. And that would be a place for Phase 4 to go that we have not seen yet. Um, having said that, though, it's it's tough because a monopoly is not really good for, this, for the business. It doesn't challenge the studios to try new things if if disney could could recognize there are other formulas that work besides theirs like the deadpool logan x-men days of future past x-men first class that kind of stuff if they can recognize that and take a slight backseat or let directors take a little more creative control in a perfect world i'm then i'm all about this because you guys make a very good point um I don't care to see a, a PG-13 Deadpool. You guys are right. Logan would not have been the same if it was PG-13. So you guys are definitely right on that front. Um, so if DC, I mean, DC, what the hell? Marvel, <laughs> Disney, if Disney, Marvel could take a backseat and allow directors to be more creative and be more outgoing and try their own thing with Disney's hand in it, you know, then this would then this would be see, great. Yeah, but I, you're right. I don't, I don't trust Disney to do that. Look at the Ant-Man project with Edgar Wright. That's that yeah, was that's that was a huge um, huge storm over creative control there, and it didn't work out in the director's favor. Disney was too big on it. Look at everything going on with Star Wars right now, like Lord and Miller getting replaced and 
Gareth Edwards getting taken over for in Rogue One. Like, Disney is so in control of their image that, like, you know, they are going to have the final say, not the filmmakers. So there is a there is a bit of a worry there. Um, obviously, my first reaction was to salivate at the possibility of all these characters in the same universe together. But it might be too much of a good thing. We never know, you know? And we don't even know if this is going to happen. This might just be a hypothetical. And you talk about how I'm the nasty, whiny bad cop. <laughs> I, will, I will take the bad cop on this. I'm, I would not be excited. I really, really wouldn't. I don't think the pros outweigh any of the cons that are much more likely to appear. Um, okay, I wouldn't say I'm not excited because, I mean, this would push us in a very interesting direction, but I would be skeptical. Yeah, I would be skeptical. Anyway, moving on from that to Disney movies that are coming out for sure, we finally, last week, we've we've gotten bits and pieces of the cast of Jon Favreau's possibly unnecessary, some would say, unnecessary remake of The Lion King, but now we have the full cast list out. Um, running down real quick, who's going to be playing who in this CG animated version of The Lion King due out in summer 2019. Donald Glover will be Simba. James Earl Jones back as Mufasa. Chiwetel Ejiofor, Doctor Strange, 12 Years a Slave, he'll be Scar. John Oliver will be Zazu. Um, Seth Rogen will be Pumbaa. Billy Eichner, Timon. Eric Andre will be one of the uh, hyenas. Keegan-Michael Key will be another one of the hyenas. And of course, the big name that they added to the cast and confirmed, Beyonce Knowles, will be Nala. Why did I say her last name? Like, she's not the only... Anyway... Right. <laughs> like I said, Lion King will be directed by John Favreau, who did the Jungle Book remake that was such a huge billion-dollar success last year. Uh, kind of under the radar in this news, Hans Zimmer will be returning to the score. So, big A-list cast for the Lion King here. Mixed feelings on should the movie be made or not. Taking those feelings aside for a moment, Nate, how do you like the cast? I am not a fan of any of the live-action remakes. However, I will admit that this cast definitely piqued my interest um, just because it is it is filled with every star you could think of for their role. Um, I'm particularly excited to see uh, what kind of role John Oliver plays as Zazu. Um, James Earl Jones as Mufasa's gold in a bucket. I'm glad that he brought him back. Um, very interesting to see Andre and Key as the hyenas, but not their respective partners at any point in the movie, like Key and Peel without Peel is kind of interesting. But either way, comedic wise, this is a stellar cast. I'm, I'm going to kind of reiterate that for a second. And then I want to ask you guys a question. Um, well, for, first off, James O. Jones obviously is one of the greatest voice actors ever. He sounded like he might have struggled slightly in Star Wars Rogue One. Do you think that's an issue in, the, in here? Do you think he could struggle as Mufasa? Very good point. Very, very good point. I'm, a little, ner- I'm a little nervous about that. Otherwise, phenomenal casting. I love Timon and Pumbaa. Like, choices. Like, everything they did with this, casting-wise, is great. I'm a little nervous about James Earl Jones' age. And then I have a follow-up question for you guys. But tackle that first. I'm not as concerned about Mufasa, per se, versus Darth Vader. Darth Vader, it, it's such a specific way that he's saying the lines. Whereas I feel like James Earl Jones is just being James Earl Jones when he's playing Mufasa, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Like his yeah, yeah, yeah. his Darth it's his Darth natural. his Darth Vader voice has to be more ominous and like booming and you have failed me for the last time you know what I mean? Whereas Mufasa, we're <laughs> not a teenage girl like Drew just sounded. Oh come on, that was pretty. <laughs> I, I, that was at least like a four. Yeah, out of 10. that's fair. <laughs> um, but I, I'm less concerned about it for Mufasa. 
personally. Um, so what I want to ask you guys is, why are you, and both both of you, why are you so against the live action movies? Because not that I love them, but I feel like they're harmless. If they're good, great. And if they're not, whatever. I like, I'm not really leaning either way. Why are you both against them? I would have rather Disney worked on an original product that makes me fall in love with new characters instead of characters that I already love. Okay. Just in a new setting. As Nala would say, yes, queen, yes. <laughs> I okay, yeah, agree I, that, that I that I can buy because for me I thought the Beauty and the Beast was was decent. I thought it was all right. Jungle Book was also pretty good. Why are we wasting our time with like fucking all right though? I mean, Jake, there are Jake. There's like a dozen of these. I know, coming. and I just I I don't really care either way. I think they're they're fine. just remaking I think the nineties. Interesting, at least. I don't I don't like I don't dislike them like you guys do. See, I, think I don't. It, it's whatever. I don't care. I I don't dislike yeah. all of them. I like no, the Jungle are, Book a lot. I know you do, but you're adamantly against this whole movement. Which I I, yeah, I which am. I I don't yeah. understand. I was against it when Maleficent started, and that was an actual original story. <laughs> I hated Maleficent, I, and it was it was a bad movie, but at least tried something new. And then they said, "Okay, this didn't work. Let's just do stories we already know people like." And now they just remade movies over and well, over. Well, Jungle Book actually changed the story a little. It, a little. It did a little bit. That was enough. I gave Jungle Book a bit of a pass. I like Jungle Book, um, yeah. but Cinderella um, was okay. Maleficent was just bad. It was a bad movie. Out the Al- Alice in Wonderland. Don't get me started. Ugh. Um, and they're just they're just remaking all of their movies. Like, what are they? What are we gonna do in twenty years? There's not gonna be anything to remake. You know what I mean? Original movies will never be completely gone. That's just a narrative that is not correct. That will not happen. However, it it's overkill at some point. Like, and this is the coup de grace of overkill for me. Because this is one of the most perfect movies ever made, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So what could possibly come from this? The very best scenario is that it's just as good. I don't see the point of making it unless it, there's a potential for it to be better. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I'm, you know what this one's cashing in on, Drew? The people that are going to flock to see Beyonce in a, in a role here. Yeah, casting Beyonce was a power move <laughs> for them. Well, Oh my god. Yeah. It, it's it just tripled. Yeah, and its you know people sales. love Seth Rogen. People love John Oliver re- recasting um, James Earl Jones. Like they did a phenomenal job with all of this. It is a good cast. It is a really good cast. And mm-hmm. and J- Jungle Book director John Favreau is back. So the the one you like, they got him back. Yeah, I'm again. I don't think it'll be a bad movie. It is just a supremely unnecessary one, in my opinion. <laughs> it's supremely unnecessary. It's there for Disney to put two more do- two. Two more dollars, two billion more dollars in their back pocket. That's it. That's the that's its yep. existence. Speaking of Disney making a billion dollars, that'll do it for our news segment. Potentially making a billion dollars at least, and that'll move into our review. It's time, guys, for some Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. Hello, the goddess of death has invaded Asgard. Oh, I've missed this. I need to stop her here and now. To prevent Ragnarok, the end of everything. He's a fighter. Here we go! What were you the god of again? This would be such fun. That was a piece of the trailer for Thor Ragnarok. It is the 17th film released in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the third Thor film after the original in 2011 and 2013's Thor The Dark World. And it's directed by Taika Waititi, 
who is an indie director. He's from Australia. He's best known for writing and directing horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows, and last year's excellent comedy, Hunt for the Wilder People. Thor Ragnarok takes place about two years after Avengers Age of Ultron, which is the last time we've seen the God of Thunder Thor. It's Chris Hemsworth's fifth time playing the character in a full capacity, and he's trying to prevent Ragnarok, which of course is the apocalypse of Asgard. The cosmos are in chaos. Loki is secretly ruling Asgard after exiling Odin at the end of Thor the Dark World. Through a series of events, Hela, the goddess of death, becomes unleashed. She descends upon Asgard, and she absolutely levels it. Thor ends up on a planet called Sakaar, which is made of a bunch of Ravengers and Gladiator matches. He runs into the Hulk, who has been missing since Avengers Age of Ultron as well, and meets a former Asgardian warrior by the name of Valkyrie. Now guys, a lot of hype going to this one. It's one of our big final tune-ups before Avengers Infinity War. Guys, what did you think of Thor Ragnarok? Nate, we'll start with you. I don't like Thor 1 or Thor 2, especially Thor 2. It was it was probably the only bad movie that Marvel's ever done with the MCU. Thor 3 delivers. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it was definitely not a serious movie, though. Uh, and if you watch the trailer, you still get a sense of the kind of humor that it's going for. Uh, but it's very funny throughout. Uh, I would definitely label it more comedy than action uh, or drama or anything like that. Uh, I think what this movie nailed is that Thor in isolation just doesn't work as a character. He's either too serious or he doesn't have anything to bounce off of. When you give him people like the Hulk or all the other really fun supporting casts that show up in this movie, it works because he's his own, um, he's his own character that gets to bounce off of all these other different emotions that other characters are giving him. And overall, it works. It's a really fun, well-put-together movie. Jake, what do you think? Um, I actually thought that was interesting, uh, Nate, because going off of what you just said there, um, he definitely works well with other characters, but I think this was one of the best Thor portrayals we've ever seen, personally. I think Hemsworth is very good as Thor here. Um, and I like that this this centered on Thor a lot. It's his quest, it's his mission, um, and I think it was handled really well overall. Thor is, uh, he's more, he's more mature, obviously, than he is in the first one, for example. You know, he's obviously, he's got a lot on his plate in this movie. You know, there's some spoilers there, but he's got a lot on his plate in this movie. And I think he handles it well. And I think one of my favorite parts about the movie is that I feel like Avengers and even in Thor 1, you know, the term nerfing, right? Like loses a buff. When it, like a major powerful character is kind of dulled down, yeah, dulled down a little yeah. bit for other mm-hmm. other sakes. I feel like they don't quite do that here. He is full form badass in this movie, and I was I've been waiting for a Thor portrayal like that. Um, so I really really like the Thor that we got in in Thor Ragnarok, but I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't love this new one. Um, a little too Guardians of the Galaxy feel for me. I wanted a little bit more seriousness from the God of Thunder. Um, you know, like the the buddy buddy stuff with with the Hulk was all fine, as Nate would say, it was all fine and dandy. Um, but it was a little, just a little too light and upbeat for me. With you know, a movie that was supposed to be an apocalyptic thing in the end, it was just a little too light in my opinion. But I know that's Marvel's gig and that's what they do, and that's you know, it's not a big issue for me. I I think this movie's excellent. I think it's really really great. Um. I have I had an absolute blast watching this movie. It is such a 
fresh, fun, unique movie with so much personality, which is something that honestly Thor has been lacking. Yes, um, I'm, definitely. I'm with Jake. I'm with Jake on this point. Uh, this character's been re- reinvented, um, and even, I mean, the supporting cast is excellent. This movie is filled with people trying to steal scenes from each other, up and down the board. Um, every character is used perfectly. No one's wasted. Uh, everyone's having an absolute ball. However, I think the Thor character and Hemsworth, especially being able to lighten up and have a great time with it, brought a freshness and a funness to this movie that a lot of the Marvel films tried to try to have, but it doesn't come naturally to every single one. It, it's just it's just such a euphoric and fun movie. However. I do think that I felt a lot of the consequences. I think it balances drama and comedy really, really well. Even if the comedy does feel like it is overtaking a lot of it, some of the stuff that actually happens in this movie is exceptionally dark if you take it in its isolation. It's just that the tone is, you know, it's played for a lighter tone. And I think people mistake movies that have a lot of comedy in for it um, they mistake that for a movie kind of not having stakes, not having any kind of consequence or anything like that. But the fact that Taika Waititi has his signature brand of humor in here, which is 80%, 80% of this movie is improvised. That's an astounding Is that like number. a fact? 80%. Or did you just pull that out of somewhere? It's a fact. No, that's a fact. That's what they've said in interviews. 80% of this movie is improvised. That's astounding. And it's just whatever they can think of comedically thrown at the wall. It is such a unique style. However, I still felt all the big story beats that you're supposed to feel. I felt for all the character arcs that you're supposed to feel. Um, It's in my top five MCU movies. I've seen it twice now. I had to confirm that. But (laughs) this movie, this movie is just, it's just so sharp and it's so fun. It's got infinite rewatchability, but it also takes its characters seriously. I do think, I do actually believe that. I know that sounds ridiculous considering the movie we just sat down and watched, but I do honestly think that the stakes were there. All right. Good points, Joe. That's fair. Um, But let's get into some specifics. Um, I do want to say that I really enjoyed the music in this one. Me too. It it stays away from the usual Marvel orchestral tones and has like this cool little techno. It actually reminded me a lot of Blade Runner. This is a great um, score, yeah, by Mark Moss. The, the score is really, really good, um, and um, the action scenes are really, really cool. And even just plot-wise, uh, one of the things I was really happy about was that the the trailers did not give away all of the actual plot or even some of the characters in the movie. And I was really nervous going into that, saying, wow, the trailers kind of showed me every single scene. Now I just got to piece it all together. Um, There were some really great cop-outs in the trailer, Um, like some really strategic editing that kept the film very fresh watching it. Um, So, yeah, I I definitely enjoyed all those aspects of the movie. I actually was thinking the same thing when I walked out. There are are scenes that could have been a big spoiler. shown in the trailer but whoever made the trailer they changed a couple things in the trailer that really happened in the movie that avoid spoilers and i really appreciated that because the trailers look great so it's funny you brought that up because i was thinking the same thing after it happened yeah it's very uh distinct misdirection for sure 
Absolutely. Yeah, um, but but positive and effective for sure. I think the movie, it's it's good for the first 15, 20 minutes, but I think it really takes off when they get to Sakaar. And I think a lot of that has to do with the characters that we meet on Sakaar. Um, Tessa Thompson is awesome in this movie. Yeah. She's really, she, really good. She's such a badass, but so fun at the same time. Like, she's just got this, this attitude about her that's, like... I, I can't explain it, but she's so much fun in this movie as well. Like, like, like we were saying, everybody's fun in this movie. She's a female Indiana Jones, is what I got from it. Like, hmm. she's That's this kind of she has this kind of like swagger about her, the way that she carries yeah, herself swagger. and everything. That's what just I was such for. a confidence, and it's it's so fun to watch. And she's great at the comedy, and her backstory is tragic. It's she's great. Jeff Goldblum is basically playing himself. They put a little. They, <laughs> yeah, he's they, being he's being what he wants. But to the be. best version of himself, I really did like him. They put a blue little soul patch on him, and that's pretty much it. But that, <laughs> that's exactly what you hired Jeff Goldblum for. Um, Kate Blanchett, she's really fun as Hella. Hella's kind of a bit of an exposition queen. Um, there are parts where the movie gets bogged down, where she's just yelling exposition at Carl uh, Urban's character Scourge. Um, and <laughs> it, it, it gets a little tedious at points. That's probably my only complaint. Yeah, actually, can I jump on on this too? Go ahead. Yeah. My, um, I agree absolutely about the exposition stuff. Um, this movie had to deal with a quite unfortunate double-edged sword. Um, I think this is a Marvel movie that you don't need to watch previous Marvel movies to get because it deliberately stays away from those aspects of the story. You'll get a lot of the like inside jokes if you've seen all the MCU movies up to this point. But it really does a great job staying away from all the stories that they build up. There's nothing about Infinity Stones in this movie. There's nothing um, really tying characters to their previous works in this film. Um, so that's really great that the t- film took a great fresh direction. The issue with that is that they need they feel the need to explain what's significant to this story... And they unfortunately kind of use Hella's character as that expositional piece. And it feels like everywhere we go, we need to be told about why that's important or how we got here because we haven't seen that before in any other setup movies. Um, so it's kind of unfortunate that it had to rely so much on exposition to tell us. Yeah, I was I was feeling some similar stuff there, Nate. That's a good point. Like, like on one hand, I really I feel like this is the most depth we've gotten from Thor as a character. Um, and I've always personally liked Thor as a character. I've always thought he was, he was, he's like this cool barbaric Viking, but he's got this awesome hammer that he wields. I just, I've always thought Thor was a cool character and we've never, he's never really gotten his justice. And I feel like here he does. He gets his justice here. The movie focuses on him and his journey and everything. Um, but on the flip side, you guys, like you guys are right. Hela's is basically there to, to explain what evil she's doing and, you know, her, explain her own backstory she kind of, like, they kind of go over it. She kind of shows up. Thor goes on his journey. Things happen. We'll talk about it in spoilers. But, um, like, I think Hela was not, like, don't get me wrong. There have been bad Marvel villains in the, the past. She's not a bad Marvel villain. Um, but she could have been written a little bit better. And I think Kate Blanchett does a great job with what she has. But this movie focuses on Thor, which it should. But it doesn't do enough with, with Hela at, at points, I kind of think. Well, she, like, everything about Hela that's interesting is what Kate Blanchett is bringing to her, I think. Like, yeah, like Kate Blanchett, Blanchett is such job. an amazing actress, 
and she's having the time of her life here. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and that makes Hella, that alone makes Hella probably top five MCU villains for me. I mean, that's not a high bar to clear. Yeah, it's not really hard three. to do. <laughs> there's really, there's three or four elite MCU villains. However, I do think Hella is in the upper echelon. What is interesting about Thor, that has always been interesting about Thor, is that Hemsworth plays him like this big muscle beefcake, but he's a dork at heart. Um, and that's, Chris Hemsworth has a gift for comedy that I don't think anybody saw coming. Um, and it's slowly been coming out more and more with the writers that he's been getting. The last, the Ghostbusters movie from last year is not a great film. It's not. It's not a very good film. Yeah, I didn't bother Chris Hemsworth steals every scene he's in because he shows a gift for comedy. Um, he has fantastic comedic timing. He has such an on-screen charisma. He is a movie star. He is. And Thor Ragnarok finally kind of breaks the shackles for him as this character, having had been restricted by some boring scripts in the past. It lets him let loose as this dork of a beefcake. And you you can clearly see he's having a ball. But at the same time, we're still getting a sense of the Thor character at the same time. It's a great balance. It's an excellent, excellent balance. Nate has something to say. I feel it. I I don't disagree entirely, Drew, that Thor is not fun as a character in this movie. Uh, But kind of going back to my original point, I don't think he's particularly funny. I think he's charming. And he's able to use that charm to make these fun, awkward-ish moments with other characters because he is a little bit of a dork. Um... But it's only possible because he's working with other characters to kind of play off that charm. And he's not funny when he's by himself. Um, I don't which, agree. Again, I, I, don't I, I, don't think is a, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but it does kind of segue into something that I do want to talk about. And that is the Marvel brand of humor. Where we've kind of gotten into this pattern of doing a lot of quips. Or like an awkward unexpected scene. And it kind of just continues throughout the whole movie. A lot of Marvel movies have started to fall into this trope. And I'm getting kind of like deja vu from when I find like a random YouTuber that I like. I watch a lot of YouTube and I'll suddenly find a new channel and I'll watch their video and I'll burst out laughing and love their content. And I say, oh my God, I need to watch more of their stuff. And I watch more of their stuff and I slowly become a longtime viewer. And over time, my big laughter kind of just turns into that classic exhale out of your mouth laugh where it's like, oh, that was, that was cute. Um, where you kind of just kind of get acquainted and used to that sense of humor. I feel like I'm starting to get that with Marvel movies. I wasn't laughing out loud too much during this movie. It was entertaining. It was funny. Um, but I feel like I'm getting used to the Marvel sense of humor and I don't think that's a good thing. I'm a, I'm a bit in the middle there, but I do kind of agree with you. Marvel is... It's a formula that works, but is it is it too mainstream of a formula? We talked about this a little bit with the Black Panther trailer. Like Marvel, you have you have a formula that works 100%, but g- give us some like Guardians was so fresh because of how different it was when it first came out. It's a lot of it is feeling kind of similar. And was I don't, it though? Like this yeah. has been this has been a part of their thing since Iron Man. Yeah, but like, I, I think it's ju- it's starting to feel a little bit stale in this in this you know the phase that they're in now, and I worry for their future movies if they keep this up, people may eventually start to feel stale. 
feel old. I, I don't know. I, I It's very easily digestible. I don't think they're ever going to run into that kind of fatigue problem unless the movies become outright bad. Um, this has been this has been their thing since the beginning. Um, and yeah, it, it could grow stale, but I think the writing and the talents that they're hiring are sharp enough that it continues to find ways to reinvent itself. And this, for me, did feel like a bit of a reinvention. I know it feels similar in the humor type, like you're saying, Nate. You're, I'm not disputing mm-hmm. you there. But I think the delivery and the timing in this film is very different than the delivery and the tone of a Guardians of the Galaxy or of Captain America Civil War or the Avengers. I It, it, it just comes back to the voice of Taika Waititi, I think, um, and his ability to tell a joke and his ability his really weird sense of humor, um, it just, it it all clicked for me. It did, I did laugh out loud quite a bit in this film. That's fair, and I think most viewers going in to watch this movie are definitely going to find it a fun, enjoyable movie. I'm not trying to downplay this movie's success. I'm just kind of worried long-term that I'm going to get too used to this brand of sensibilities. I don't think it was quite as original as it thought it was in the humor department. Story-wise, I thought it was a great reinvention of Thor. Um, but my personal opinion, I don't think the the humor is as unexpected as it was 10 years ago, 5 years ago. Okay. Um, we're going to have to agree to disagree on that point specifically. Um, I think this is a good time to probably segue into our spoiler section. Um, first, we're going to give our ratings. Um for those of you, if you're possibly just joining us for the first time, which is very possible, um, our ratings are by the seat scale. So we rate movies based on this scale. If we love it, it's a royal throne. Then we've got plush recliner. We've got wooden seat, damp lawn chair, and sleazy outhouse. Those are our five ratings. Um, if we think the movie should be seen in theaters, we've kind of been on and off about this, but we give it a bag of popcorn identifier if we feel like it's a movie that needs to be seen on a big screen. So without further ado, Jake Hensler, what do you give Thor Ragnarok? One thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the more technical aspect. And there was some beautiful visual imagery that we got, especially from Hella fighting the Valkyrie, the quick scene that they showed. There were some beautiful aspects to this movie. And Nate touched on the soundtrack. I love the soundtrack. Um, and I just wanted to throw it in there before I give my final thoughts. Um, overall, very good. One of not not the best Marvel movies, um, but one of you know a great addition to the Marvel resume. Um, no doubt about it. And this is pretty much a textbook definition of plush recliner for me. Uh, and definitely, definitely bag of popcorn. You should see this in theaters. It's visually beautiful. It's a lot of fun. It's entertaining. Um, you know, great on the big screen. You should probably see most more, most Marvel movies on the big screen. So, um, yeah, easy plush recliner with a nice medium sized bag of popcorn. Nate, what do you give it? Uh, I'm also going to give Thor Ragnarok a plush recliner. Uh, This is definitely the best mix-up from um, a Marvel movie in in a a while. Um, The best critique I can give for this movie is that this is probably one of the most comic book movies ever made. It is bright and colorful. We're introduced to a lot of random wacky characters, all with their own set of powers. Uh, We aren't held our hand throughout the whole way, but there is a lot of lore behind it. Uh, it's it's something that comic book fans are going to love. It's a movie that the average moviegoer who's like superhero movies is going to love uh, and definitely enjoyable. You're going to love the cast. You're going to love the music. You're going to love how it looks. The story is unique enough um, and all in all, solid movie. Uh, this movie is an absolute blast from beginning to end. Nobody is disputing that here. Um, 
for me, I think it just touched base a little bit more than it did for the other two guys, and that's completely fine. Uh, I know I've disagreed. Jake is a huge fan of Doctor Strange, I know, whereas I consider it on the lower tier of Marvel movies. We we all have our preferences, but I think we all come back to agree that, you know, these movies are all consistently very good, and they're all fun, is the mo- is the best part of it. They're, they're fun. Um Ragnarok especially is just is just this beautiful unique blend of humor, drama, action, music. It's from start to finish, it's probably one of the most infinitely I feel like rewatchable movies I've ever I've ever seen to be completely honest. It's a movie that I can see myself going back to over and over and over again. Not that I can't with the other Marvel movies, um but this one especially has that rewatch value because it's just so fun and so unique, and there's so much detail going on in the background. Um, I'm not quite at a royal throne. I'm not quite there. I'm a little bit below that. I'm going to give it a very extremely plush recliner. Not quite the throne on Asgard it deserves. You should see this in a theater with as many people as possible so you can get the whole full audience experience because I've ha- I had two of them this weekend, and both of them were very enthusiastic audiences. Uh, see it while you can with a big audience. Thor Ragnarok, absolutely. All three of us give it thumbs up. I think I'm probably two or three thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> that'll do it for our non-spoiler review of Thor Ragnarok. If you have not seen Thor Ragnarok, tune out now because there are quite a few things to spoil in this film. If you have seen Thor Ragnarok, if you're one of the 125 million worth of people in the United States that saw Thor Ragnarok this weekend, jump in to the... By Frost for our spoiler section. Whoa! Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Excuse me, spoiler alert! So, guys, though this is a very lighthearted movie, at tone, the consequences of this film are are pretty high, huge, huge, um, very crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff, stuff happens. happens. Asgard, for one. They don't prevent Ragnarok. Yeah. Explodes. It, the destruction of Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> the death of the entire Asgardian army. The Warriors 3, who have been pivotal characters in the last two movies, put put Just, down like they're Oh my nothing. god, yeah. They're, they don't even have a line in this movie, do they? <laughs> they say like one thing a piece and they're gone? Barely. The Asian, they, the Asian they're basically guy gets extras. a couple lines. Um, yeah. But the first two guys, Zachary Levi, who's going to be our new Shazam, he just runs towards her and just gets absolutely massacred. Um mm-hmm. And then, of course, the big the big one is that Thor loses his eye. Oh, first of all, Odin dies. Well, there's that too. <laughs> That's pretty big too. Um, but yeah, right. Thor loses an eye in his final climactic battle with Hela, just like his father. Um, these are big, big things happening. Um, and and though the yeah. movie plays it light, the subject material is as dark as any Marvel movie that we've seen. Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of something I. I was a little shocked about like as fun as it was and I'm I'm okay with the with all the fun happening. I wanted a bit more serious tone for stuff like that. Like Thor, your home your home planet just exploded, dude. Like let's let's be a little upset about this. And that's not a testament to him. That's just how the movie was made. And I, that's that's what I was getting at when it was just slightly too upbeat for me. There were some serious moments that I think should have been taken more seriously. Like like losing an eye, like your home being destroyed. Thing, like your yeah. things like that should have been a little bit more serious. Yeah, this movie is a joke a minute. 
And sometimes there's too many jokes in one scene, and I'll agree with you there, Jake. Um, one of the things I did like was this movie reminded me a lot about Doctor Strange, where the way that we defeated the final villain was a unique way instead of just, oh, suddenly magically becoming stronger than the villain and doing something sneaky and saving the day. Um, Doctor Strange did a great job of that, this one, and Thor Ragnarok did a great job here. Uh, deliberately blowing up your planet to Ballsy. stop the to stop the bad guy. I did like that. That's really, really cool. That's not how I expected to play right. out at all. Very different. I and agree with you. That was really, really great. Uh, going back to what I was saying earlier, that the trailers didn't spoil it. Um, I thought it was really, really cool how the trailers made it look like Hela was a giant fire monster. And when we got to the movie and the fire monster was his own thing. And Hela never got to that like final form um, on fire or anything. So that was that was a cool touch. Good editing on the trailers then to make me think that going into the movie. Mm. Is that what is that what you were talk, referring to about the trailer thing? That and the fact that Thor... Uh, the Thor scenes where he's missing an eye are yeah. edited in the trailer. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's that my big thing. That's the big one for me. Yeah. I see. I never thought that was. I never thought that was Hella. Actually, that's interesting that you thought that. Oh, um, I assumed it was like a final form kind of thing. I, you see that all the time, superhero. I movies. thought it was like a, like a demon Hella summons. So Thor fights Hella. Hulk fights yeah, demon. Pretty much. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Hulk, Hulk does something with that dog, and the, yeah. In either way, either yeah. way, we all thought something different, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I did appreciate that. Speaking of Doctor Strange. I'm really glad that I'm, – I'm glad that he's in the movie, but I'm really glad they got his cameo out of the way in the first couple of minutes because I really thought that would have been distracting if they put it late in the movie. I thought he would be a, a bigger Ex- presence, and I, I think how they handled it was fine. I didn't want more or less of him. I think how they handled it was fine. I just thought he'd be in it more. Yeah. But I'm okay with Speaking it. Speaking of cameos. <laughs> yeah, I'm, let's I'm do this. Count. Let's do this. <laughs> um, I, I am – all on board for surprise Matt Damon. What is he doing? I love it. <laughs> what is he I doing? I absolutely love it. You know what's funny? This is the best Matt Damon movie he's had in the last two months. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, we Matt Damon movies in back-to-back weeks. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely yeah. the best one. I basically totally forgot about Sir Burbicon already. I don't remember much of it. <laughs> um, it really is a testament to the lasting qualities of that film. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually didn't realize at first all of a sudden the guy the guy to my right started kind of laughing and i was like what is he oh my god that's that's matt damon oh my god <laughs> what the hell because <laughs> i didn't realize why it, it was so funny to this guy and then i and then i realized it took me a second and i was like oh wow look at this it literally makes no sense i don't <laughs> i i don't understand the lead i don't understand the connection or the reason for it i have to look up look it up more how he was the one that ended up maybe he's home. just fucking around um, maybe, I don't know. He's getting <laughs> yeah. to the age where he, it'd be acceptable for him to start doing that. He could probably take over Bill, Bill Murray's role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's quite that old, but, yeah. um, um, other, other cameos here. Um, I was not a fan of Anthony Hopkins in this movie. He shows up in the same location for all the scenes he's in and he looks bored out of his gourd. The scene doesn't even look great. It looks like they CG'd the sky in the background and it's really distracting for me as a viewer. Um, and it, it looked like he just phoned it in for this movie. He's not in a lot, and he's not really that important to the movie, but it was just kind of a, kind of like a black mark on an otherwise perfectly fine movie. He's kind I of, disagree. He's kind of thrown in and out. Um, I know he's, he's old and has to go, but he, he basically drops his ball on them of what's about to happen and then just leaves. I was like, you, this probably should have been done earlier. No? 
Probably should have said yeah. something oh, okay. about we're, this. We're talking about two separate. I don't think Anthony Hopkins, he was really bad in Thor The Dark World. He was. Um, here, I first of all, it's not a cam. This is not a cameo. This is a, it's a role in the movie. It's a small role. He doesn't role. show up for, yeah, it, very it, small yeah, role. <laughs> it's a very small role, but it ta- it's a pivotal role um, because of what he means to Thor. Um, he gives yeah. two very important speeches, and I think he does bring his all in both of those speeches personally. I do. I think he does a good job. And I and I got a lot of joy seeing Anthony Hopkins play Tom Hiddleston um, at the beginning. That was fun. That yeah. was fun. I'll give you that. And his um, his speech about Asgard being a people, not a place. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. That's It's nice delivery. Um, but he's in three more scenes before that, and... Eh. <laughs> I, I he didn't. He didn't. I do think much. there's a minor plot thing, and it's nobody's fault. It's just something they didn't plan or or you know I think would happen. But all of a sudden, he's about to die, and he's like, "By the way, um, there's your. Uh, you have an older sister who's gonna come fuck shit up, and then uh, there's a plague and apocalypse, and that's all gonna happen in a couple like like very very soon. And uh, I'm not gonna be around for it. So good luck. And I was like, "What? Isn't that kind of the point of this movie though? This movie takes the time to deconstruct his character." to demystify him as this amazing person. Like, no, this guy was kind of a dick. Like, the movie very distinctly, that's basically Hela's purpose, is it not? Okay. Okay, but we never get any evidence of that. It's Hela's exposition that does that. We never see direct evidence of Odin being this bad person. There's no emotional weight behind Hela's words because we never have any emotional impact as an audience. I, I think it's just crazy that this conflict is just thrown from Odin into their hands and then, like, literally seconds later, he passes and in comes Hela. Yeah. Like, whoa. Whoa. Hold on, everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think that's the big emotional through line of the movie is his, you know, demystifying Odin as this person. I agree. There's there's better ways to do it than her just spouting exhibition, literally just staring at a <laughs> Sistine Chapel. And <laughs> yeah, the, the convenient mural on the wall to tell you everything that's mm-hmm. going on. <laughs> There are better ways to do it than that. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I would have rather a flashback, honestly. Uh, I think the movie, it like I said, it really does take off when it, when they get to Sakaar. Um, the beginning is a bit all over the place. They're jumping from place to place. Um, it gives you a bit of, a bit of whiplash while it's doing that. Um, and I think the standout sequence of the film, just like it was in the trailer, I think the Hulk, the gladiator match with the Hulk, lived up to every expectation I had. That was it, really personally. Fun. I actually wanted more. To be honest. I thought it was the perfect amount. It wasn't overkill. Uh, there was. I I wanted more. Considering consider these these two titans, these are some of the most powerful beings in the Marvel universe. I wanted a little more. Good fight though. Yeah, overall. but they fought already. Like we don't need that much more. I mean, sort of, sort of. <laughs> what are you talking about? They had sort a of. full clash in Avengers. Action aside, action aside, I thought Mike, Mark Ruffalo did a great job. Yeah. As as Hulk, we've seen him as Bruce Banner for long enough now. But his extended role as the monster was really, really cool. He did a great job with it. Now I have a que- uh-huh. I have a question for you guys. Do you think Bruce Banner is dead? They no. do kind of skip over that. <laughs> yeah, because he said, "I'm probably not going to wake up if I turn into the Hulk again." Yeah, and then you have probably the funniest scene in the movie that where was he falls down onto the bridge. Amazing. That was, that was so hands funny. down the biggest laugh of the whole audience. Um, and then he turns into into the Hulk, and then nobody goes back and says, "Hey." Hulk slash Banner, are you okay? We never have that scene at the end because the movie's more intent on getting some last jokes in. <laughs> okay, but it wasn't even really setting up like emotional conflict with that anyway. To be like, there's only so much we emotion we can get out of the Hulk, I think. 
Um, and they, they, they seem to spend the Avengers movies doing that. Um, he, this time, he's just he's the comedic sidekick. I would agree with that. He's this pouty little toddler who all of a sudden has learned English, and Thor does, is not thrown off yeah. by that, apparently. Mm. Um, but I think they, yeah, they used him to great effect. We, we get just enough of him. He comes in right at the right moment, and the movie really is better for it when he's in it. Um, one thing I, I want to talk about, the whole structural part, it's very basic in, in structure. Like, I wanted a little bit more stakes. Like, Thor finds out what's happening. Boom, he's cast out. Second act, forms a plan, forms a team. Bam, goes back to Asgard for the third act, saves a day. Like, it's just, it's too cut and dry for a plot point. I wanted a little bit more. Like, up the, like, I know Hela destroys their army, but, like, I needed something else, you know? Nate, do you, do you follow what I'm yeah, saying? I see what you're saying, but do you have a proposed... Yeah, I, out of all the criticisms I have for this movie, this is probably lowest on the list that I can think of, and I don't even think I have an issue for, with the structure. I, I feel like I just movie. needed more. It was very, very basic act structure. Like... Because like, Jake... But Jake, I know I know you, and I know what you would say if they ventured... If if they were... If they took some risks, but they the risks were, like, wild and they were sloppy... You would you would talk about the plot holes, you know what I mean? Wouldn't you rather be structured and tightly paced and concise than being wild and all over the place? Uh, yes, but there's there's definitely a happy medium. Like Hella, I like give us one more thing that shows how brutal and how dangerous Hella is, other than talking about it. Okay, that's not okay. an issue with structure. Then that's just an issue with yeah. issue with content. You just wanted more. You're, <laughs> I don't think it's as generic as you're describing it personally. Well, it, no, it's both. I, you know, it's I both. think the structure. While the same, they're doing enough. They have different voices coming in and putting their different voices to it. You know what I mean? You know, Thor Ragnarok is like this weird, like, buddy space comedy. Whereas Guardians of the Galaxy is this 80s nostalgia trip. Whereas Spider-Man Homecoming is the same structure, but it's a high school comedy. You know what I mean? They're taking different elements of the same kind of tone, but putting unique spins on them. And Thor Ragnarok is the latest in that line, and I think this is probably one of the more unique spins that we've gotten so far. Like, think about the first th- two Thor movies, where we spent so much time on Earth, and it just felt like, you know, we're going through the motions of every other blockbuster. Whereas this movie is unabashedly weird throughout. That's true. I, I think I kind of rest my case on that. I think I've said as much yeah. as I can on this, yeah, on this structure <laughs> I think so, point. too. Uh, and I guess you know if we want to do some some quick final thoughts, I think there's a there's a short th- chore. Thor changes big in this movie, and I think setting up Avengers three with him, um, I like what he I like who he is as a character going into Avengers three because you know as, as far as talking spoilers, he spends the whole movie without his hammer and learning, and it's almost like they they kind of touch on it. It's he it, it almost has like this romantic poetic partnership with his hammer. Um, but he get, finally gets away with it and discovers himself without it. And I think that's a big change and a good change for this character. He loses his his planet, his trusty hammer, his father, and he learns to grow through it all and becomes the King Arc for him to go into Avengers 3 with. I like where they're going with him. Nate Lungarini, final thoughts on this movie. Yep. Um, again, like I said, this is probably one of the most true to the comics in terms of tone that you could get. And Thor's great here. Hulk's great here. The rest of the supporting cast is all really, really fun. Um, I definitely think this is a very comedic movie. 
possibly too much for its own good. That's up to personal preference. But in terms of the worlds we explore, the music we hear, the action we've seen, just the twists and turns of an out-of-the-box plot, I think this is a great superhero movie, great addition to the Marvel franchise, and looking forward to seeing what they do with the rest of the characters. Uh, Jake, do you have more to say, or was that kind of your final thoughts before? Uh, more or less. I feel like I get off the fact that I, I didn't like it, because I liked it quite a bit. Um, I just, I had some, I finally compiled my thoughts and had some criticisms that I wanted to go over, but I did, I did really like this movie. It's not, I wouldn't say top five Marvel, but probably in, in the, the six to ten range, because I did really, really like it. It was really good, uh, like most Marvel movies are. I was just surprised by a couple things, I guess, but generally, no, I really liked it. Um, you know, everybody should see it if you like the Marvel movies. Right now, off the top of my head, if I were to do a ranking of the Marvel movies, uh, Avengers is my favorite. Um, then I would do probably Captain America Civil War. Then Captain America Winter Soldier. And then after that, I think it's Thor Ragnarok. I really do. Um, I need to give it a little bit more time because Thor Ragnarok, Iron Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy are all really close bunched together in my head. Um, and we'll see how time... Already on a second viewing, Thor Ragnarok held up ex- extremely well for me. Um, but I'll have to give it a little bit more time to see if it's as timeless as we know Iron Man is going to be. Um, it is just a profoundly entertaining, fun movie uh, with so much swagger, so much confidence. Taika Waititi is one of the hottest names to look for going forward in Hollywood. He does an excellent job here. He He's a great visual director. He's a fantastic joke director. It's clear that people love working for him. I hope Marvel collaborates with him again in the future. Um, go see this movie if you ever had if you had any doubts. Um, it's just so much fun. It I know it sounds like a broken record, but yes. that's the word of the day. Fun, the, the secret word. We've had fun here today on the middle seats. It is time to finally wrap our review of Thor Ragnarok. But before we go, Nate Lungarini, where can people find us on the internet? Alrighty, so here's how you can get in touch with us. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Middle Seats. And please follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at The Middle Seats. And if you want to email us about any sort of suggestions, comments about the show, uh, just look for us at themiddleseatshow at gmail.com. Anything you can do to support the channel and keep us growing is greatly appreciated. Thank you, Nate. Each week we record a spinoff show called Freeze Frame, where we jump back in time and review a film from the past, this week we're trying something a little different in theme with Thor Ragnarok. You have to wait and see until the next until we get to the weekend to find out what that is. Next week we haven't completely confirmed with each other what movie we're going to be reviewing. I expect it to be Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of the Agatha Christie mystery novel Murder on the Orient Express starring half of Hollywood. <laughs> That'll do it for us. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon. 